Shining City Audio, a John Meacham and C-13 original studio. On May 30th, 1922, the Lincoln Memorial is dedicated in Washington, D.C. I'm John Meacham, and this is Reflections of History. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. He'd been a figure of quasi-religious significance since Good Friday, 1865, when an assassin's bullet entered his brain. Now, more than half a century later, Abraham Lincoln would be enshrined in a temple at the heart of the Republic that he had done so much to save. It was a springtime Tuesday, May 30th, 1922, when President Warren Harding and Chief Justice William Howard Taft presided over the dedication of the new Lincoln Memorial on the Washington Mall. The project had been launched as early as 1867, not quite two years after the assassination, with the congressional creation of the Lincoln Monument Association. Construction had begun in 1914. Designed by Henry Bacon, the memorial housed an immense statue of a seated Lincoln, a product of Daniel Chester French. The statue of Lincoln sits behind mighty pillars, His words at Gettysburg and in the second inaugural are etched inside in stone for all time. If we look closely, we see a human face, a weathered Lincoln who gazes out not grandly, but whose eyes are inclined slightly downward, looking less into the far distance and more at all of us who come to his feet. He is at once historic and humble, elevated and proximate. Here is how the New York Times described the day. Quote, Thus, a handful of the fast-dwindling survivors of the Civil War, some of whom knew Lincoln, had the satisfaction of witnessing within their lifetime the dedication of a marble symbol of Edwin Stanton's announcement that the great emancipator belongs to the ages. Grand Army men presented the colors and laid symbols of the Army and Navy at the foot of the structure. Across the aisle sat gray-clad Confederate veterans, and from their seats they could look over the Potomac to the Virginia Hills, where Arlington, once the home of Robert E. Lee, nestles among the trees. The dedication itself underscored the ambiguity of Lincoln's achievements. The seating was segregated by race. And the only black man to address the crowd of 50,000, Dr. Robert Moton, the president of the Tuskegee Institute, was asked by Chief Justice Taft to alter his original remarks in the service of unity. Still, Moton's final remarks spoke to the still unfolding work of America. He said this, Lincoln has not died in vain. Slowly through the years, that noble spirit has been permeating every section of our land and country. Sixty years ago, he stood in lonely grandeur above a torn and bleeding nation, a towering figure of patient righteousness. 
Today, his spirit animates the breasts of millions of his countrymen who unite with us to pay tribute to his lofty character and his immortal deed. And now the whole world turns with anxious heart and eager eyes toward America. In the providence of God, there has been started on these shores the great experiment of the ages, an experiment in human relationships, where men and women of every nation, of every race and creed, are thrown together. Here we are engaged, consciously or unconsciously, in the great problems of determining how different races can not only live together in peace, but cooperate in working out a higher and better civilization than has yet been achieved. At the extremes, the white and black races face each other. Here in America, these two races are charged under God with the responsibility of showing to the world how individuals as well as races may differ most widely in color and inheritance, and at the same time, without humiliation or embarrassment, make themselves helpful and even indispensable to each other's progress and prosperity. This is especially true in the South, where the black man is found in greatest numbers and the two races are brought in closest contact. And there today are found black men and white in increasing numbers who are working together in the spirit of Abraham Lincoln to establish in fact what his death established in principle, that a nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal can endure and prosper and serve mankind. And so that work goes on. Thank you for listening to Reflections of History, a creation of Shining City Audio, a C-13 Originals and John Meacham Studio. Reflections of History is executive produced by me, John Meacham, and Chris Corcoran, Chief Content Officer and Founding Partner of Cadence 13. Production and editing led by Lloyd Lockridge and Chris Basil. Production assistance and operations by Paige Heimson, Andy Jaskowitz, Adam Macias, and Kelly Rafferty. Research assistance by Sarah Jean Caver. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.